0: Reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look, delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: It's Chris Mania, brother. That's a great question. Look at you, man. Oh, that's a powerful question. <laughs> Woo! This is the Chris Van Vliet show. Chris Van Vliet show.
0: Ladies and gentlemen.
1: Chris. Van- what is going on my friends thanks for hanging out uh happy thanksgiving as this uh while this is dropping on thanksgiving so whenever you're listening to this it's either a happy belated thanksgiving or like a really early uh (laughs) happy thanksgiving to you how can you not love santino morella uh people ask me all the time chris how do you get your interviews and this one This one's kind of interesting. I've been wanting to do an interview with Santino for a while because I think he's a fascinating guy. I think his character work is seriously second to none. Uh, He also lives like 30-ish minutes from where I grew up. So we've got got that in common there, being a Canadian. And uh, so when I did the interview with Tennille Dashwood, a.k.a. Emma, last month, she talked about her partnership with Santino. So I tagged him in the tweet talking about that interview. He then started following me on Twitter. So I saw my opening, boom, went in, I DM'd him, and I heard nothing back. And then I remembered that Aaron Stevens, better known as Damian Sandow, actually trained with Santino at his gym in Mississauga, Ontario. So since Sandow was on the show, I reached out to Sandow. I said, hey, can you connect me with Santino? Boom, he made it happen. We were both at the big event in New York a few weekends ago where we made this interview happen. In my hotel room. It's such a great chat. Uh, I really enjoyed this. I know you will too. With Santino Marella. Although he doesn't sound like that at all. In fact, at no point. <laughs> at no point during this interview does he speak in that kind of accent. Um, keep those reviews coming in on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much. They're seriously the most helpful thing you can do to support the show. CMFT1869 says, This is the best podcast around. Five-star rating here. I've only been listening for a few weeks, but I am hooked. Guests equal awesome. Stories equal awesome. Chris Van Fleet equals awesome. That's the review there. Thank you so much, my friend. Appreciate that. Keep those reviews coming in. I'm going to keep reading one on the show, so uh, you can be part of the show by leaving a review on either your iPhone or on iTunes. Uh, Thank you to Samson for the mics and the audio equipment uh, that make us sound so good on the show. If you're looking to start a podcast or a YouTube channel, Audio is seriously the most important thing. Even if it's a YouTube channel, audio is the most important thing. Head to samsontech.com. You can see their full lineup, and it is so much cheaper than you think. The mics that I use are 80 bucks. Yeah, you don't have to spend hundreds of dollars. 80 bucks. Also, thank you to Green Roads for supporting the show, and I know you hear a lot about CBD products, a lot of CBD companies popping up out of everywhere. They're flooding my Instagram feed but if you're going to get into trying CBD products, go with Green Rose. They're a pharmacist founded company that have the lab results to back up their claims. A lot of CBD companies don't even have CBD in their products. How crazy is that? It's wild. Uh, the benefits are really wide ranging um, with CBD products. But for me, it's been, uh, you know, it's about like relaxing. It's about like calming my brain when i've got to 70 70 things on the go and it's also about recovery from the gym and uh green roads products have really changed my life since i started taking them about about a year ago i uh, use my code chris15 you'll get 15% off your order at greenroadsworld.com that's chris15 for 15% off at greenroadsworld.com since this is dropping on thanksgiving i just want to give a big thank you to you I'm thankful to you for making this whole thing possible. I mean, putting these interviews on YouTube, now putting these YouTube interviews into the podcast, I mean, it's completely changed my life. And it's all because of you. Because otherwise, I'd just be sitting here in my spare bedroom, talking into a mic all by myself. I say it all the time, but it's crazy. I'm I'm actually kneeling up against my bed. My mic stand is sitting on my bed right now. I'm wearing my Samson uh, headphones, and I'm... (laughs) Talking in here to myself. I don't know if my girlfriend can hear me down the... Can you hear me, honey? Okay, she can't hear me. So yeah, it's basically... It's just me and you in here. So thank you for making uh, this possible. I'm super thankful and grateful to you. And uh, we're going to keep this going, man. You know the goal in 2019 was 50 wrestling interviews. I counted the other day. And I've uploaded 91 videos. So we absolutely crushed that goal, which means 2020 is going to be a massive year. Can't wait for it. So Santino Morello, when I started doing the research for this interview, I was blown away and a little surprised that Santino had been with WWE for 11 years, if you include his time in developmental. I think a lot of people remember the Cobra and the funny storylines, which are very good. uh, But I don't think... Anyone does comedy wrestling quite like Santino. I mean, he's, he's great at it. But if you look at his accolades, it's such an impressive career before he was forced to retire because of that neck injury. Intercontinental champion twice. Tag team champion once with Vladimir Kozlov. United States champion once. And, of course, he won the Miss WrestleMania Battle Royal as Santina. <laughs> we talk about Santina. We talk about how that all came together and why he was okay with doing stuff like that. Uh, his attitude's basically like, you're given a character to play. You're given this role. Go out there and do it. Uh, so this is such a good chat. Uh, please put your hands together, my friends, for Santino Morella. Thank you so much for making this happen.
0: Oh, my pleasure. Absolutely. It's been a, it's a busy day down there, but we, we can find some time.
1: Two Canadians just hanging out here.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Yeah. Pickering. Pickering is like the parallel dimension to Mississauga.
1: Yeah, so I'm from Pickering. You're from Mississauga. We're like equal distances away from Toronto.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so to to our west, we have Oakville. To your west, you have Ajax. That's or, right. Wow, yeah. Yeah, we're actually very
1: similar. <laughs> and now you're still living up there.
0: Yeah, when I retired, I, I made Mississauga my, my permanent uh, residence. And uh, it was nice to be home, man. It was interesting to kind of return home just to return home, really. You know yeah. what I mean? but I was going to say with well, a hero's welcome, but, you know, because <laughs> my, all my friends in Mississauga, they knew what I was doing and they were following and they were, you know, proud of the fact that I was on the road representing Mississauga. So to come home and open up my, my business uh, after all that, was, it was kind of like a little bit of a homecoming. Sure. That's I, what I meant, and yeah. your
1: business is still, you know, kind of in the industry.
0: Yeah, we do. Um, one piece of the pie is pro wrestling. So we're still producing, uh, I mean, excellent talent. The the, the kids that come through there are are incredible athletes. But then we also focus on... You know, sports, combative sports, Olympic sports. Uh, I coach judo. We also do uh, amateur wrestling and boxing. Those are our Olympic kind of sports. And now we do MMA, and we actually got some guys fighting for some titles wow. uh, at the end of this month. So it's a lot. And, of course, we do, we have the Don Koloff Arena where we put on our shows. And uh, we just started something called the Battle Arts Fight League. We're going to have some uh, amateur uh, MMA as, long as, as well as boxing and kickboxing and stuff. So it's a lot. It's a big, big, uh, big undertaking, but uh, it's it is rewarding. But this is your
1: background, though, like MMA and you know combat sports. That was your background before wrestling. Judo, yeah, i yeah.
0: judo. I mean, I, I had one MMA fight, but I did not train in MMA. I just <laughs> jumped in one one time. without training for it. But uh, no, I was a judo athlete. I represented Ontario, represented Canada. Uh, Right through university, I participated in judo and was on the national team. And uh, that's really my my first love in terms of if I could do anything I wanted to do, it'd be judo. And I'm coaching, yeah.
1: You know how many people are watching this right now going, he doesn't have the accent?
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, these days, it's kind of, there's enough footage out there. People can see me doing interviews. <laughs> I, I work on Sportsnet, so after math. Yeah. So, so Canadians know Santa Claus is not real. <laughs> um, and then from time to time, I still do get a lot of comments when something happens. People are like, it's freaking me out without the accent. Uh, but there's some stuff I did even with, uh, with WWE or um, when Renee came to Battle Arts and did the Where Are They Now. There's a lot of people that, you know, Oh, there's
1: still going to be comments on this video. People going, oh, I didn't realize you didn't have that accent.
0: Yeah, the accent is, it was an interesting accent. It kind of evolved over the years. There was a little Borat, a little Nacho Libre, a little Italian, like one of my uncle and stuff. So it was pretty interesting. Growing up in in Canada, in Mississauga, almost all of my friends were first-generation Canadians. Same, yeah. Yeah, your parents moved, immigrated from my, Holland. My mom, oh, from, sorry, my mom
1: actually moved from Greece. Oh wow! My mom's Macedonian, was born in Greece, came over when she was four. The other side of the family has been in North America for a long time. But I, I, I agree with you. Almost all my friends, their parents were born in Italy, or their grandparents yeah. were born in Italy, Greece, wherever.
0: Yeah, and and I look at my. There's a definite pattern. I was looking at my elementary school pictures, and it's it's Poland, Malta. Uh, no, not no, not too many Greeks because we're, I went to Catholic school and they're Orthodox. But uh, uh, Italian, mm-hmm. Portuguese, mm-hmm. and and just repeats, you know, Italian, Portuguese, Greek, Maltese, Italian, oh, yeah. Portuguese, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting.
1: So, was this an accent that you had like heard
0: growing up? Well, that's the thing. So it's actually a combination <laughs> okay. of all my friends' uh, parents, Croatian, Slovenian, uh, my neighbor Ivan is where I got Son of a Gun from. Ivan says Son of a Gun. And, uh, you know, all our parents kind of butchered the language or had a funny expression um, that I just... And my friends would would call me out on it. Like, you're making a living off making fun of our parents. (laughs) Or or copying our parents.
1: When you go, like, we're at a convention here, the big event in New York. When you're at a convention like this, do people go, hey, man, can you do the accent for me?
0: Yeah, I don't do the accent. Really? Yeah, well, once I've started a conversation... um, being me it's kind of hard to do it so actually here's a funny story Kofi Kingston when he first started and he was Jamaican he had the accent so we we were the only two guys at the time that were speaking on television in a way that we don't speak in in real life so when I would do interviews like uh, with radio stations with WWE there's someone there's a a liaison between the two and he would say okay hold on hey Santino you're on the line with Joe from 102.5 and then I would immediately be in character the whole time yeah but the wwe magazine they have your direct number so they will call you hey hey santino it's josh from the magazine uh can i do an interview with you and, and can you be in character but i've already started the conversation <laughs> uh, yeah yeah so i remember one time kofi's like uh, hey can i ask you a question he goes when the magazine <laughs> when the magazine calls you or, or do you use your accent and i was like i know it's so <laughs> awkward but once I start talking with somebody, I don't like to do the accent.
1: I, I think that your run in WWE, is it's a fascinating run because you came in and won the Intercontinental Championship in your debut match. I don't know if that's ever happened before. Uh,
0: at the time, no. There have been people that won... Um, titles on their first I think Carlito won uh the UN the Intercontinental maybe on his debut but he wasn't from the audience right so if you want you have to break it down <laughs> and his first uh WWE match I was the only audience member to, to come in and, and and win the title yeah
1: where was the where did the transition happen from like you had this character at first of being like the badass, you know, guy who could legitimately win a fight to kind of transition into the comedy character. Where did that happen and how did it happen?
0: Yeah, it was crazy. So I was driving to Elizabethtown, Kentucky. I was, uh, I just, I, I had gotten signed in August of 06 and then I had to go home for a few months to get the, the visa papers and everything. Right. So now I returned, I believe, uh, November of 06. And then uh, I was in developmental, like everybody else, and we we're doing all our, our live events. And then this is April of 07. So we went home for the holidays, came back, and I'm driving to Elizabethtown, Kentucky. I get a phone call, and it was by Mike Bucci, who was Nova with uh, ECW. Mm-hmm. And uh, he knew that my background, my dad's from Italy, and you know Anthony Corelli is my real name, and and, uh, and he just called to see if I could speak Italian. And I was Boris Alexiev, the Russian fighter guy. And when I used to work downtown Toronto, uh, I worked there for one year for a company called New Ad Media. You know the the washroom, adver- washroom ads? Yeah. Yeah, that company. The
1: things you stare at while you're pissing at a yes. urinal?
0: Yes, I worked for that company. Wow. Event marketing. Okay. And uh, so I'd be in rush hour traffic every morning for a year. And I had a cassette, tourist Italian. I always wanted to speak better Italian. So I would listen to this cassette just you know, it would play, click, other side, play, click, and I just beyond the background, sometimes I'd pay attention, but it was always playing. So when they called, Mike Bucci called and said, Hey hey Boris, it's Mike Bucci here. I'm sitting here with some writers. Uh, can you speak Italian? I'm and I'm like, Yeah, sure. And um a, a month earlier, Dusty Rhodes had called a guy who was playing a character named Fearless Jack Bull and said, uh Jack Bull, my I'm, I'm Dusty impression is not good. <laughs> Dusty Rhodes, uh, can you can you ride a motorcycle? And he goes, nope. Because he thought someone was ribbing him. Because everyone does a Dusty impression, right? Right. And he goes, well, can you learn to ride a motorcycle? And he goes, nope. And he's like, okay, well, thank you very much for your time. And then looks at the phone and sees a 203 airport Oh, yeah, And has, like, a coronary, you know? <laughs> so they laughed about it. Dusty Rhodes came down to speak to the OVW and said... If anyone ever asks you if you can do anything, the answer is yes, mm. and then you better learn how to do it. So, can you speak Italian? Ding, Dusty in my head. I said, Yeah. And they said, Well, can you say some words for us? And I just repeated a couple of phrases from this tape <laughs> that I would listen to, and I believe it was, vorrei un mezzo chilo di formaggio, which means I want a half kilo of cheese. <laughs> Like the most random <laughs> expression, you know. And then I said something, my name is Anthony Carelli, where's the hotel, or something like that. And then I could literally see them looking around at each other going, oh, I don't know, it sounded good. It sounded good. Hey, okay, yeah, that's uh, it's good. We're going to fly you out tomorrow <laughs> to uh, Italy. And, y- you know, you might, fingers crossed, you might debut as this Italian guy. It all depends on, you know, things could change last minute. Don't get your hopes up. And they flew you to Italy for this, yeah. I did oh, wow. in, in Milan, so I was in wow. on my way to uh, E Town, Elizabethtown, Kentucky, on a Friday. They had my passport for some reason, anyway. My passport arrived at 8 a.m., got to the airport at noon, landed on a Sunday, and uh, in the middle of a tour, a European tour. And I just kind of you know walked around sightseeing in Milan for the day, and then everyone showed up that night, Sunday night, and then Monday was raw, and I went to raw. and... So, as I walked through the door with my bags, Aaron Anderson was just coming out of the production meeting. And so he goes, Oh, huh, you're having a good day, kid. You're winning the ISC title. And he walks away. I'm like, Did he just say I'm winning the I What? Why, why, what, what, what? And that was it. You know, someone came up to me and said, Hey, Vince wants to meet you and meet me. Like, he hasn't even met me yet. And like, they're going with this. They, they were getting good feedback with everything I was doing at, uh, at OVW, and they had enough uh, confidence in me to do this. And I did. Sometimes I watch it back because I have people that haven't seen it. I haven't watched it in a while. The debut moment. Yeah. But the acting was good. You know, people thought that Jesus Christ, this guy's Oh good yeah. The audience and this guy's, you know, in, in disbelief, and yeah. the audience loved it, and and that was it. Buckle up, and we were on the road for eight years straight, man.
1: So how did it transition into being like the more comedic role? Oh
0: yeah, so. So originally, I was supposed to be this. You know, I'm undersized. I was 5 I'm five foot ten, and the locker room at the time was big guys. There was just really Rey Mysterio at the time. Afterwards, there was you know uh, Tyson Kidd and and uh, Daniel Bryan, right. smaller than me. But but that's it. I mean, it was a big locker room. Uh, so I was going to be this underdog baby face, and the audience. And it's the same thing. This is the same scenario you, you have today, where they don't like to be force fed. Yeah, and they don't like to be saying. To be told this guy is gonna be someone you're gonna like. Yeah. And all of a sudden I beat, you know, Umaga and I beat Chris Masters and I beat Sheldon Benjamin. And everyone's like, come on, man, this guy comes out of the audience and now he's beating everybody just like that. You know, no, we we don't want this guy. And they were kind of rejecting the character. Mm. And uh, Vince said, Well, let's let's turn him heel. And if that doesn't work, well, repackage or whatever. Uh, so I became a heel and immediately being a heel and complaining but having the accent was comical yeah and vince thought it was hilarious and i guess they saw something on the mic and actually got hurt at the time i separated my shoulder in in, in a, uh, a live event so vince liked it so for the next four weeks i couldn't wrestle i was on the mic every every week for four weeks and really that was those four weeks were what really cemented me as this this funny bad guy on the mic and i was doing guest commentary during matches uh and it really took off from there i i, I made the right person laugh Vince.
1: and you you did some pretty memorable stuff with stone cold i feel like that really put like put you put that, that character on the radar
0: yeah that, that was a measuring stick and michael hayes had a really good analogy he goes you, you've been running the ball upfield first mm. down now we're going to see if you can score a touchdown when you're in there with the big boys. Wow. I was like, wow. And at the end, he just gave me the nod and be like, yep, you did it. So uh, that, that that was a, yeah, that was a definitely a, I remember Vince walked by looked at me. He went like this. Like you just went up a notch. Wow. And I was like, I knew exactly what he meant at that time. And, and uh, it was a pretty cool moment.
1: Was there any part of you that was like, I don't want to be this comedy character the whole time?
0: Um. Well, I'm also at the time I was five foot ten, and I, I debuted at 33 years old. So I was kind of de- defying the odds. I did, did not want to ruffle any feathers. I was, I was actually the reason I think I had longevity with the company was because I was grateful from day one. Mm. And yeah, I wanted to be a badass, and and I trained to be a badass, and uh, I fought. I did work shoots in Japan and in OVW. I was um, stiff and a lot of judo, and and that's what I trained for. But I was also capable of, of being this comedic character, so um, it was an honor and a privilege to be Santino, and after a while, I'd, it's just what I did, you know?
1: Was it equally an honor and a privilege to be Santina?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny, oddly enough, as potentially, I mean, there, there were a lot of family and friends who were like, oh my God, what are they doing? There's no coming back from this, yeah. once you're dressed like a woman. Um, but it's actually some of my best work in terms of acting and some of the pre-tapes we did in my reactions and some of the subtleties I did. I really actually was proud of, of the work we did as Santina. Santina was supposed to be a, a one-off thing just just at WrestleMania, but it was people were telling me that in Gorilla that Vince was pissing his pants laughing, <laughs> and he loved it so much that it ended up lasting for three months.
1: But What was your initial reaction when you were told you were going to debut as Santina and win this women's match?
0: Well, when I was first told, I was kind of told it was going to be a one-off thing. So I thought, okay, it's going to be funny. It's going to be a memorable moment. It's a good payoff. It's a a WrestleMania moment. Yeah. Probably my most significant WrestleMania (laughs) moment ever, actually. (laughs) Um, And then like the following week, Vince wants the Santina thing again. And Vince wants the Santina thing again. I'm like, oh, man. Um but you know what? My philosophy has been you give me lemons and I'm gonna make lemonade.
1: But that's the right attitude to have. Because there's a lot of guys where Creative gives them something and they're like, Well what are you I'm not gonna do this thing and then they don't have a job for very long.
0: Yeah, you cannot walk around with a boo boo face and, and the whole notion of this perceived stock value, it's and I actually downstairs today was talking to Ron Simmons and we had a talk in the beginning, I guess it was about not that i was frustrated but about the, the the comedic character and he said look you can do haha for 10 years and at the right time you win one match guess what You're world heavyweight champion yeah and i remember like yeah thanks man you know so i, I always had that in the back of my mind where i can i can and it, ha- it happened you know were, for example the elimination chamber we came uh a one count away from being the world heavyweight champion. Yeah. Um Royal Rumble, we almost had the main event at WrestleMania. So being this comedic character was fine, but you are always that close to winning the big one.
1: Was the Cobra your idea?
0: The Cobra was my idea. Well, originally I mean, Originally
1: you were just doing you weren't didn't have the thing on your arm.
0: Yeah, it was from a bar in Japan. This guy showed me this hand puppet transformation thing where he chopped his hand and made it this thing and literally like <laughs> five years later i was in a match it was a live event i believe it was carlito or chavo and i went to see and i go hey watch this watch my comeback i'm gonna try something so it was like jab 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 transformed the arm cobra strike turn around schoolboy, and the audience immediately laughed at that at the arm strike and um i don't even know if it had a name at the time Anyway, it quickly became The Cobra. And um, I remember I went to Raw, and Ricky Steamboat was my producer, and he's like, uh, you're going to go over tonight. I think it was against Heath Slater. It was a Vince Wants to See The Cobra. And I'm like, Vince knows about The Cobra? Because I only did it on live events. And it was getting good reviews, and the producers were you know, writing down the audience's reacting. It's funny. It's... And um, later, did I, I found out that it was the perfect finisher, you can do it at any time to any size person, and that's true. And then I saw another article recently how it's one of the most uh, statistically speaking, it's one of the most effective finishers of all time. <laughs> one, one person kicked out of it without the sleeve, Seamus. Ooh, oh! And one person kicked out of it with the sleeve, Daniel Bryan. Mm. So I mean, and have probably given. Thousand cobras and only know, two I mean,
1: people have ever kicked out.
0: Yeah, that's ninety nine percent.
1: Wow, yeah, that's a pretty good move. Nine eight. Do you think with the career that you had that uh, you'd be a hall of famer? Or you the will people, be. People
0: people joke about it. JTG always says that he calls me. A, he's been calling me a hall of famer for a long time. Um, I don't know. I mean, if I mean, for example, I do have a, a, a specific genre. For sure. So as a comedic wrestler I could say yeah, I, I I would see myself being in the Hall of Fame one day. But not now. I guess it kinda of has to be more nostalgic, maybe down the road. But just as a general you know, I wasn't never a heavyweight champion and and uh I wasn't uh I didn't have WrestleMania singles matches and that kind of stuff. But uh f- for being a comedic wrestler, I, I I could see it happening.
1: Do you think that, you know, the work that you did 10-ish years ago really opened the doors for you know there's a lot of comedic wrestlers now you've got uh, joey ryan does his thing uh, orange cassidy does his thing do you think that you kind of helped open the doors for those guys
0: yeah a lot of them though they're not like it, it, they do funny stuff but it's not quite uh, my comedy wrestling was like 80s sitcom wrestling <laughs> And and, and and that I grew up watching a lot of '80s TV, so Joey Ryan does something very funny, but backstage is not an '80s comedy wrestler. Maybe Colt
1: Cabana. You know? Colt
0: Cabana is is good. He's very good. He has an excellent sense of humor. And there are guys that are that are that are funny that are out there. Um, yeah, Orange Cassidy is entertaining as well. I've seen some of his stuff. It looks great. But uh, I, I find I found that the majority of my comedy was from pre-tapes. Mm. As I mean, the stuff I did in the ring was was fine, but you have to wrestle. You can't, you know, avoid the wrestling to just to do comedy. Sure. So I had comedic wrestling, but the comedic wrestling was also from, from I think there was a year, a whole year where we had a lot of guest guest general managers. Yeah. And I didn't wrestle on Raw for a year, but I was in every pre tape every week. And then when I came back to wrestling, I was so much more over because they got to know me so much more from these pre tapes. So. Uh, I think some of the comedy kind of carry over, carried over to, to the matches, but I believe they got to know me comedically from the pre-tapes, yeah. I think.
1: Well, now your daughter's getting into wrestling.
0: Yeah, she's not comedy at all. <laughs> <laughs> and She's a badass. She's a heel, and she's, uh, she's very good. She's, she was uh, uh, identified quite early uh, um, when she was younger as being you know, uh, an excellent uh, actress. Um, she cut a promo when she was, God, how old was she? So that must have been ten years old or eleven years old. Uh, she came down for a month in OVW, sp- spend a month with me in the summer, and uh, she wanted to do a promo on promo day. We had promo days, and Al Snow was like, "Okay." He kind of was impressed that this kid had the guts to want to get in the ring and do a promo in front of everybody. So promo day came and promo day went, and uh, I kind of sat down. I mean, she's she still wants to do it. And he's like, okay, he thought she was just, you know, saying that and wasn't going to end up doing it. But I, I had spoken to her earlier in the week and I said, I want you to do a heel promo. Mm. So at, God, was she 10 or 11? It was probably 11 years old. She gets in the ring and cuts this heel promo. And, Standing ovation at the end It was almost like You know in the movies When someone cuts a promo And there's like silence For like three seconds Right And then the, everybody erupts And that's what happened So uh, <laughs> Even when she'd come backstage <clears throat> At Raw And she'd get into The pre-tape room And uh, She'd just get on the mic I remember the Brooklyn Brawler Coming up well, She's a star <laughs> She's going to be a star And she's always been around it And she's always been Really good at it and And, and now she's learning The The and, and she understands the psychology really well, I guess, from conversations and long car rides we've had growing up. But now she's just learning the physical side, getting her, her moves you know, crisp. And once that, that's the final piece of the puzzle, she'll be a, a megastar, actually. She'll be one of the top um, female talent, I, I believe, in, in, in the WWE. And what's
1: her name so everyone can look out for her?
0: Yeah, Bianca is her real name <laughs> Bianca Corelli. And I think it's, I don't know what it is. Social media is Bianca, <laughs> Sophia. We'll figure it out. Bianca, Sophia, something, but yeah, you'll hear about her. She's 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 it's undeniable. Well, she, she
1: just had a WWE tryout.
0: She had a tryout and she destroyed everybody on the mic, and they just wanted her to tighten up her, her uh, her strikes, her, her moves, and you know they're getting better every week, and that's it. It's just a matter of time, really.
1: It's funny because uh, the daughters and sons of wrestlers either. Dive right into it. Follow after their parents' footsteps, or they want to go as far away from it as possible.
0: Absolutely, you know. It's and there's really, really no in
1: between. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, and, and you know, the, the psychological side. Like she wants to know where I was and what was I doing when I wasn't home because there's, you're not home a lot. Yeah. And I, and, and, and I mean, the plan was when I left to go be a professional wrestler. I was, I, she was eight years old, and I said, "Look, you are a star, and I, and you need to be in Hollywood," but. How do we get there? Yeah. Well, I, I know a way to get in. I don't know if it's the best way, but it's the only way I can see right now. I'm going to go become a wrestler, and I'm going to um, work for the WWE, and then WWE does WWE movies, and I'll get yeah, connections yeah. to Hollywood, and then when the time is right, I'll bring you in and all this stuff. So that was really our, our game plan wow. when she was a kid, and, and it's it's worked. You know, I, I, I did a movie, and I do, I do television t- to this day. And just trying to keep those connections fresh so that when the time is right, uh, she can she can come over and, and make a living for herself.
1: How old is she now? Just turned 24. Oh, so she's got all kinds of years in front of her.
0: Yeah, she finished university and that's big. Where'd you know, she go? Uh, she went to Western. Yeah, yeah. that's my
1: rival school. I went to Laurier. Oh, no, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, she went to Western and she graduated, and I did the same. I went to Concordia and I graduated. So I started wrestling late. I started wrestling at 28 years old. Wow. Training. Wow. So she's ahead of me already. Um, and she knows that, you know, there's life before wrestling and there's life after wrestling, and we have to plan accordingly. Mm. And if you have a six year run, just say, how are we going to parlay that, you know, fame, I guess you can call it, or that TV time into yeah. the next right next chapter in your life so we're, we're we're realistic about what needs to be done
1: well and I, you mentioned a little bit earlier but people that don't live in canada don't realize that you're on tv all the time like Sportsnet's like the equivalent of being on fox sports or something like that or yeah, espn it's national tv yeah it's funny
0: when i got to the airport on friday um i recorded we record uh, uh aftermath on friday at noon and it airs at like six thirty now um and it's just a wrestling show. It's a talk show, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a panel, four people. Yeah, and Jimmy and Corderas is on. Corderas it. is yeah. on it. Caroline Schved and uh, this guy Nug Nargang. He's a you know uh, a comedian, I guess. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we talk wrestling. We talk all WWE, NXT, SmackDown, Raw, pay per views, and uh, it's a fun show. It's short. It's only half an hour. Every time we do it, we're like, man, we need an hour show. Well, half an hour on TV
1: is you know, twenty minutes with three breaks. It's yeah. like it flies right it's by. It's fast. And with four yeah.
0: people dividing up the, the, the talking time, it's it's pretty fast. But I was walking to the airport and it was playing in one of the bars <laughs> and so one guy immediately saw me and looked and was like, How are you here? You know? <laughs> Magic how that happens. Yeah, and, and that's why a lot of Canadians they get to hear me speak about wrestling, um, honestly and, and as myself and you know, we try and keep it positive, obviously, but there's some stuff to complain about. But you have to com- complain about it in a constructive way.
1: I was, I was actually like kind of blown away when I found out you were Canadian, Cause, <laughs> you know, like it, it took me many years to realize you were Canadian. And Then I'm like, oh, and you're from like super close to where I'm from.
0: Yeah, even even Chris Jericho. The first time I met him, he'd be watch. He had been watching the product on television, and I can just see him shaking his head like. You know who it's like? uh, Fez from the 70s show? Yeah, yeah. The first time you hear him speak, it's like, this is weird. So I guess that's kind of a similarity. Well, also because
1: so many of the Canadian wrestlers have had gimmicks where it's been like, I'm Canadian. You know, like Brad Hart's gimmicks like that. So many other gimmicks are like, I'm Canadian, and then it plays into their character. You were Canadian, but you were really, you know, playing this Italian character.
0: Yeah, that's actually one of the reasons why. I I like to take... um, Canadian indie bookings across, you know, across Canada and the reason is because I want to and there's still people that I don't know they, maybe they don't watch Aftermath or whatever it is and it used to drive me cause I'm really patriotic I, I absolutely love being Canadian and the fact that I couldn't say I was Canadian uh, it, you know, it, it kind of bothered me a bit so actually with, there was a speech I made when I had my, my neck issues were they flared up for the third time It was in the Rico Coliseum. And I had to say the speech in in character, which I didn't want to do. I wanted to be honest with the Canadian audience. And I just said, look, if if, if this is it, we don't know yet. It ended up being it, but we didn't know at the time. I said, if this is it, the only regret I have is that I couldn't say to Canadians that I'm from Canada. And it was, again, it was an honor and a privilege to be an Italian character since becoming Santino. I have become a, a dual citizen. I have an Italian passport. Wow. I learned the language. And I really got, I used it as an opportunity to get in touch with my Italian roots. Yeah. But the Canadian people didn't know I was Canadian, you know? And, and, and they do now. And um, I, I make a point to let people know that, you know, I'm one of you guys. Yeah. I like maple syrup, too. <laughs> and beer
1: and hockey. Yeah. I, yeah. Of course. Was there one... Sp- Certain move that led
0: to the neck injury Um, Back in university I I think I uh, Partially herniated a disc And then that disc kind of calcified And became bone And the bone was touching the spinal cord So I was susceptible to uh, stingers all the time And I protected my neck uh, as long as I could, man, I did traction. I would tr- travel on the road with the device that I could hook up to a lat pull down machine and just do traction to my neck huh. and try to strengthen my neck and not, not to do stupid things like backflips where you land on your head, trying yeah, to land yeah. on your head. Period. Um, and I just try to hold on as uh, for as long as I could, and then it just reached that point where, yeah, it was. I I would have flare ups, and then the flare ups got uh, more frequent until the point where it was, it was stuck in a flare up. And mm-hmm. I remember I was getting ready for a match against Jack Swagger. And all of a sudden I'm like, I had like a one centimeter window to move my neck. And oh. otherwise I was like, ah, oh, I just couldn't move my neck. Wow. And, uh, I remember I couldn't even get up off the bed. I'd have to roll to my stomach and push up because I couldn't lift my head forward. And, um, yeah, I had a narrow spinal canal and it's, you know, the disc was the bone was touching it was a bad situation and and uh, I didn't really fully realize how bad it was till we had you know MRIs and looked at it and they said, yeah, you you need you need surgery, right? Wow. So we had a double cervical fusion, and I actually could have had a triple uh, cervical fusion, which means they would have taken out three discs and put in three pieces of bone. but it was shin bone from a donor, and uh, the shin bone I guess, has a similar diameter to. The disc. Huh. And, uh, yeah, they put it in. So the, we only did two levels, which means you have a chance to come back. If you have three levels, you can't come back. So the hope was that we can come back and wrestle. And you just never got well enough to, uh, to come back. But
1: does it affect your judo or anything you're doing with the training?
0: Uh, I can't do neck bridges anymore. Okay. No, I can live with that. You know, I'm comfortable. <laughs> Okay. And I do have another level that, that is bad, but I'm going to try and address that in uh, 2020 with some, some uh, stem cells.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I know that that's, that completely changes the game.
0: Yeah, if it works as well as I'm hoping, I'll try and uh, come back a little bit for a couple of years and maybe try and win the big one. Yeah. A what, b- miracle moment.
1: Why not? The Milan miracle.
0: Yeah, I've yeah. got to have one more miracle.
1: <laughs> What's the advice that you give to your
0: daughter as she's approaching this career? Um you have to learn and I to all my students as well um you have to fight what you're going to see so so I'm I'm training you to wrestle a certain way and then you're going to go in the indies and you're going to see guys not doing it mm-hmm. and it's not because you're not supposed to it's because they were improperly trained or they don't have the maturity to try and not do a million things like learn learn how to work and don't just you have to stand out. So if everyone's doing this, yeah. okay, so for example, let's say we're playing basketball yeah. and everyone shoots a basketball a certain way. That's probably the best way to shoot a basketball. Yeah. So you should learn to shoot that way. Sure. But in pro wrestling, you want to stand out. So if everyone's doing something one way, you got to learn to do it another way. Mm. And in most cases, the other way is the right way because mm. there's a lot of, I don't know where the quality of wrestling became diluted, but but it is, it is um, you know all the holy shit chants and oh my god chants and that's that's not what you're that's not what you're supposed to be aiming for, and and people think that that's it's good, but it's the reaction to the finish of the match. That's all oh, you should really be aiming for. Not the moments in the match. No, I mean, the moments in the match are gonna are gonna lead up to. That thing, and you know the the, the analogies with with sex, right? It's all about the big finish, <laughs> and and it's that's what determines whether or not that sex was good. Is, I, is the big finish?
1: A lot of people, myself included, say that you know this is the best time to be a wrestling fan. Twenty nineteen, there's so many options.
0: There there are, but it, it, there's a. I'm, I'm afraid that it may implode, mm. um, because it's everyone's a wrestler, and there's a million companies, and it's becoming less special. Mm. When, when there was 12 channels on the television and one was wrestling that was big less is more mm. you you know you were on tv you were known by the whole world and now there's just so many wrestlers and so many companies and um it's becoming a little less uh special yeah
1: well you know maybe this is wrestling is very cyclical you know yes. this maybe this is just the cycle maybe we're at the hive spot right now and Maybe it'll go back down to, you know, a different time.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I mean it's also, it's cyclical, but there's also different uh, factors like the, the internet, social media, right. b- the ability for anybody to, um, what do you call it, when you live stream sure. any event yeah. with $500 of equipment, yeah. before you needed a big, a big money backer. Yeah. Uh, to, to break a television was massive, but now you know the value of going viral yeah is 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 real. It's real, man you can have a video with eight million views and raw can't get eight million views. so so viral is is legitimate yeah um it's, it's, so there's interesting factors it's constantly adapting as well as being cyclical right so it's it's interesting. i I mean it's fun it's fun to watch it develop and evolve that you know look at the 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 women in wrestling that is a positive uh evolution the the ability to not have to have that money backer that's a positive thing too yeah. there's also positives and also negatives the the everyone giving their opinions like it matters that's kind of a negative <laughs>
1: yeah i want to be super respectful of your time i know you have another book you need to get to but it's such a pleasure to speak with you
0: oh thanks man My, hey. pleasure's all mine
1: there you go, Santino Morella. Thanks for checking out this chat and thank you for being you on this Thanksgiving day as this interview is dropping. Now, the interview was actually going to be like a lot longer, um, but we had a super short window because Santino was riding to another event that night with Vladimir Kozlov. And Kozlov was blowing up Santino's phone the whole interview with texts being like, uh, Hey, we're in the car waiting for you. Where are you? So as soon as the interview ended, he's like, uh, I got to go like right now. Although we did take a photo, um, which you can see on my Instagram or Twitter, where we're both doing the Cobra. We took that as we were waiting for the elevator to go down because we had to go. We had to rush. But 30 minutes with Santino, man, I will take it. Uh, such a great guy, a great interview, great Canadian. And how weird is it to hear him talking the whole time without an accent? Not even a hint of the Santino Morella accent. Um, let me know what you thought of this one. Tag me, tag Santino. He's at the Milan miracle. Share this episode with your friends. Let them know uh, what you thought of this one. Future hall of famer. I think so. Nobody does comedy wrestling quite like him. And you've got a, you know, you've got a lot of comedic gimmicks right now. We mentioned, we mentioned them in the interview, but you've got Colt Cabana and you've got, uh, you've got orange Cassidy. You've got Joey Ryan, you know, all kind of doing their own variations of this, but I don't know if anyone's done it like Santino Morella. And on the complete other end of the spectrum, uh, when you have a minute, look up some of the footage of his daughter Bianca in the ring. Ooh, she is going to be an absolute killer in the ring. Whoo! So as we wrap this thing up, once again, super thankful for you. It's that time of year. You know, it's that time of year to be thankful. It's Thanksgiving. If you're listening to this in America, if you're listening to this anywhere else, well, you know, be thankful as well. Be grateful for whatever's happening on this. Thursday, or whatever day you're listening. Uh, here's the quote that's, um, man, this has been something that's resonated with me for a long, long time. Back when we used to have like AOL or, uh, MSN Messenger, ICQ. My fellow Canadians know all about ICQ and MSN Messenger. You would change like your info in your bio so you could like put a quote in there or like, oh, I have a crush on this girl or I'm really into this movie this week or whatever. You could change it all the time. And I had this talent in there, or this talent, I've already given away part of the quote here. I had this quote in there for the longest time. It's something that's spoken to me for a long time because it's so true. It's from Tim Notke. And it's hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Mm. So chew on that for a little bit. Have a great day. If it is Thursday as you're listening to this, fill up on your turkey. Fill up on your stuffing. Don't forget the pumpkin pie. We will see you next Thursday.